FIS Castaway, the podcast keeping you in the know about the shipping and commodity world. To keep up to date, sign up to our FIS Live app at www.fis-live.com or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Hello, welcome back to Castaway, FIS's freight and commodity podcast. It is Wednesday, the 26th of May. Less rain this week, but uh, still not looking too rosy for us. Um, but we are joined by our usual Theo from Singapore, Kerry, our head of business development. And this week we have Rob Belcher, our senior steel derivatives broker in London. Hello, guys. Good morning. Hi, right, Chris. Good morning, guys. So let's dive into the news, our indexes, then let's go through in-depth main markets and then finishing off with our steel and scrap special in-depth look. So in terms of the news, the EU agreed sanctions on Belarus for forcing down a passenger flight carrying an opposition politician. China's Renminbi hits a three-year high against the dollar. There was a ceasefire agreed between Israel and Palestine. Uh, the G7 is close to a global deal on corporate taxation. The IEA produced a surprise plan to bring the world's emissions to net zero by 2050. China told its banks and payment companies not to conduct, tran- conduct transactions in cryptocurrency. And India recorded 4,529 deaths on May 19th, the largest count by any country during the pandemic. And this is impacting India's exports of vaccines, especially to Africa. Right, let's look at indexes and see what we've had. Uh, not too much movement on the main markets on oil and products. Brent down 1%, ending 68.52, down from 69.22 last Tuesday. That's Tuesday the 18th versus Tuesday 25th yesterday. Uh, the high sulfur fuel oils, um, hardly any movement at all as well. 361 quarter, ROT 3.5, and SING 380, 367.75, both almost flat. Uh, the 0.5s, the very low sulfur fuel oils, down 1.1% for the ROT 0.5, 467.13, and the SING 0.5 down 1%, 481.38, closing. The high five is a bit more movement. That's the difference between the very low sulfur fuel oil and the high sulfur fuel oil. The Rotterdam spread, uh, 106 down from 112, down 5%, and the Sing high five, 118 down to 114, down 3.4%. Uh, but carry on the freight, uh, a little bit quieter and flatter market, but what have we seen now? <laughs> a little bit quieter, much quieter. In fact, uh, if you just read the numbers, Cape 5 TC at 31,054 today, that's down 375 or 1.1%. The Panamax 4 TC 23,949 today, that's down 397 or 2.6%. Although I should say those numbers belie a bit of a roller coaster behind them. Exactly. We will hear more about that a little bit later. But uh, what about the iron ore there? Um, the iron coin market, uh, which is following quite closely with the correlation to Bitcoin, uh, plat 62% yesterday was $191.65, down a whopping $32.10, which is 14.35%. The fast market, 65%. Uh, yesterday index was $228.80, down $29.90, which is 11.56% week on week. And the 65.62 spread uh, is actually up slightly, $2.20 at $37.15, which is up uh, 6.29% week on week. Sure, some big movements there. We'll come to a bit more in-depth later. But to round off the indexes with tankers, TT2 down 6.4%, ending 126.94, TC5 up. 8%, 97.86, TD3C, 37.08, uh, that's up 16%, and TD25 down 3%, 75.42. 
But we'll go in a bit more in depth, starting with oil and products, probably going to be the least interesting of, of this week. But we, we have saw a significant drop off in crude at the, the end of last week, uh, having dropped from, we were talking about breaking through that $70 level. And it did very briefly overnight one day. Um, but now we're seeing Brent down towards that 66 level uh, towards the end of the week, last week. And despite what we've seen is somewhat similar to the freight week on week uh, indexes that Tuesday to Tuesday, so hardly any movement, but we have seen uh, rather a lot of movement in between those two dates. Uh, fuel dropped down with that Brent collapse where we almost hit through those 66 levels, around 66.40 was a bottomed out. Um, front months on the 3.5% were down to 3.49 on the ROT 3.5%, 3.56.45 on the 380, seeing 380. Uh, and 455.21, the ROP 0.5%, 469.71 on the same 0.5%. So significant movements down with that Brent that collapsed uh, down to those levels. And a lot of that was on the sentiment thinking of all these people, this is the problem when you use, in the, in the age of Twitter news, when people saying rumors of Iranian deal here and there. So we, we saw that you know, there, there was one tweet saying that they were close and the US, uh, with their meetings, they're going to announce it soon. So that's what was causing a lot of the sentiment to come off from that 70 level down to the 66. Um, we saw on uh, a 3.3% drop in, in Brent last week, especially on, on the, the ice Brent, that was a quite significant movement down. Um, but in terms of the fuel prices, we've seen cracks for both the VLSFO, the very low sulfur fuel oil, and the high sulfur fuel oil continue to drop. We noted that high sulfur fuel oil have been an odd fuel in terms of its predicted demise and it actually has been fairly strong but we've we've charted there more recently that those cracks have been coming off uh, and it's same as true for very low sulfur fuel oil. Um, the saving grace for a lot of these markets was what's happening in the fogo that's the difference between the fuel oil and gas oil markets which is used to price the 0.5 and that has strengthened significantly we did see a, a kind of drops off uh, over the last few weeks, which has really depressed those 0.5 prices. Yeah. Um, but it has strengthened a little bit. Week on week, we were 93.50, minus 93.50, and 75 quarter, and that has moved to 92.5 and minus 73.50. So that has saved a little bit in terms of the pricing on the fuel and strengthened it relative to the, uh, the gas oil markets, but still significantly down from where we were, let's say, six months ago. Um, but the news of... Well, the suspected announcement of this Iranian deal has never really come through. So what we've seen is a steady climb back up since those initial reports at the back end of, of last week. And we are now trading above the 68 level again. So hence, when you look at the indexes we announced at the start, you're going, that's fairly flat. But we've had quite a rollercoaster a week in terms of pricings moving, you know, nearly four bucks down and up again. So that's what has been moving things in terms of that. If you're uh, subscriber to the view of Goldman Sachs, they still think that oil is on target to hit eighty dollars um, by the end of the year. And but even with the problems that we've seen, such as in the news with with India coronavirus cases, um, and that's mainly due to their uh, opinion that with the high rollout of vaccines, especially in countries in Europe and the US, uh, that travel demand and the return to usual economic activity will mean that demand is definitely going to pick up and that will drive a lot of this this price movement action up. We've seen okay demand for 0.5% in the European region. Um, the Mediterranean slightly long for product um, and apparently blenders have been struggling at current prices 
in addition to the cross-med freight rates trading lower. So we've seen a drop-off mainly on the sentiment of the uh, expected impact of Iranian crude coming back onto the market. But in terms of week on week and where we currently are to where we were at the podcast last week, not too much to actually report in terms of change of real situation, just more at some point that we'll have to confront the Iranian question again, I'm sure. Uh, but Kerry, talking of markets that on the surface have not really moved week on week, freight. Give yeah, us the well, exactly, exactly. The dry freight market was on a bit of a roller coaster last week. Uh, this was led again by the big ships. As we mentioned in last week's podcast, the capes were finding a floor, and indeed the market pushed up in all basins late last week, led mainly by the Pacific, where we had a very, very good flow of West Australia, China cargo, and that pushed rates north. Uh, paper, of course, had shot up in the front month, the June 5 TC average actually hit a peak of 38.625 value on Friday. Uh, however, inquiry from Brazil has proved relatively thin throughout this past week. Um, that's something that we had noted in the last podcast as well. Charter is in no hurry to fix prompt dates. A heavy baluster list headed towards Brazil has meant that C3 Brazil-China route has turned into a, a really two-tier market with prompt vessels discounting and later June loading dates getting paid. As inquiry from West Australia slowed a bit this week, the rates began to drift with C5 heard yesterday done $12.90 early on and offers in the mid-12s by mid-afternoon. The paper actually took a severe knock. Um, this was helped by the generally negative sentiment following the sell-off on iron ore. And the June 5 TC is now trading at 31750 value with the Q4 at 28125 I, I think it is still worth noting, though, and uh, we can get to this when Theo does his iron ore piece, even with the sell-off on iron ore, conditions remain overall favorable for miners to continue maximizing production. Um, you know, whether it's 180 bucks or 200 bucks a ton, um, you know, there is a huge profit margin involved there. So let's see how those iron ore exports do fare. Um, Panamax has also bounced up before retreating. The Pacific market, which had remained strong throughout the past couple of weeks, was increasingly reliant on those East Coast South America cargoes to keep supported. And as inquiries slowed from there, uh, it forced ballasters to drop their rates, causing a knock-on effect in the Pacific Basin. The North Atlantic also saw slowing inquiry against a growing tonnage list. While some new front haul stems have reportedly emerged, very little TA inquiry has been seen. The knock-on effect from the negative Cape paper has also pushed the Panamax paper down. And that June 4 TC is now trading 23.625 this morning and Q4 at 20,300 value. Well, thank you, Gary. But the obviously from the indexes, the big market to focus on this week has been iron ore, of course. And Theo, those big movements, what have we seen causing such dramatic kind of drops in prices? Well, the, it seems as though that this uh, run over $200 might be over because with regulatory pressure coming from uh, China, it's sent these prices going south. And today, June was trading at 170.1 or 2 currently. So that's like a close to a $30 drop. The, the iron ore markets were rattled with the uh, news from Chinese officials taking a closer look at the uh, soaring price of commodities. And they pledged severe punishment for violations ranging from excessive speculation to spreading fake news. In fact, the National Development Reform Commission also said the government would show zero tolerance for monopoly behaviour and hoarding after top producers and asked top uh, metal producers to 
come into Beijing and discuss this surging price. So it seems as though that sort of that sort of news has rattled the market, and uh, the longs have just taken profits. And uh, it seems as though shorts are starting to build up. Having said that, I mean Chinese steel margins are still sitting about 850 RMB a ton, which is down from its dizzy highs of 1400 two weeks ago. Steel prices, though, as we've been saying for a few weeks, they have been leading on and off, and steel prices have weakened. Like rebar's down close to 18% from its record high, and HRC's down about 19%. So steel margins are still pretty good, in fact. So I think they'll still continue producing. The irony of all this, if you ask me, is that futures markets are not far away from where we started about a month ago, when regulators uh, started uh, looking into the market. So it begs the question that if these government bodies actually have achieved anything in regards to restructuring the fundamentals of the industry, aside from just creating unnecessary speculation and volatility. I mean, taking a look at the fundamentals last week, uh, last furnace utilisation was higher, uh, higher daily uh, port offtakes, soft port, port arrivals, so and d- diminishing pot stock. So, and, and this week though, I mean, Australian arrivals are picking up. So in the short term, I'd say we're probably going to remain around the 170 mark, mark in the front month, which is still extremely profitable, like Kerry said, for miners. And we will see increasing arrivals into ports, especially coming from Australia, which will see plateauing demand for steel and narrowing of wide margins. I mean, nil inventories have been increasing since March. And now the market's perceiving that these stocking will start slowing in the following weeks. So maybe as we marked a few weeks ago regarding front loading of production, was it coming into, into play? It's probably what's exactly what's happening. So I think this move is probably about right, really, fundamentally. Okay, that's interesting, though, because uh, one, one thing we do always note, and we've noted many times on this podcast, is that you know the Chinese mills in particular don't tend to really start buying or put up serious resistance until those margins sink really close to zero. And right now we have plenty, plenty of room to go before then, don't we, Thea? Absolutely. Yeah, at the moment, margins still very, very, very good. Yeah, there has been some whispers about um, pollution levels in certain cities as well. So all the, these, this sort of this sort of news and information usually means that you know, they start slowing down production. Uh, people start looking at other, other um, at the environmental um, influences in regard to, uh, and will you know. I think this this level had they're taking a breather around this one seventy level. We'll see what we get from here. Makes sense. Cool. So plenty to keep an eye on with that, and longer term in terms of iron or what that happens with with all the elements going into that. But that does bring us neatly to our feature of this week, looking at the steel and scrap markets. But Rob, um, this year in terms of steel and scrap has been uh, we mentioned it in terms of freight. Uh, for this week, you know, a roller coaster of, of events pushing up to such high pricings and everything. But I don't know if you wanted to give us kind of uh, a product by product look uh, over the last month to give us kind of a holistic view of what's been happening in those steel and scrap markets. And I think you probably want to start with kind of the US market because that's something that we've been looking at quite closely recently. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, USHRC, great place to kick off. I mean, let's let's start with the physical side. I mean, the market's been really tight. I mean, spot availability remains limited for the part in short run. 
The automotive sector is the wild card of the market. If semiconductor issues ease in the second half and the automotive assembly activity bounces back, mills might just continue with a backlog. Otherwise, they might catch up rather quickly. In Mexico and Canada, things are not much better either availability-wise. Uh, a couple of Canadian mills sold some late August HRC tons at $1,600 a ton and quoting with September lead times. I mean, as you said, this bit of a roller coaster this takes into the paper market. I mean, the summer months are still the hot spots of the futures curve with June 21, July 21 and August 21 seeing the most liquidity. Uh, I mean, while, while the market's experienced a drastic sell-off of recent uh, after the tariff removal discussion between the US and the EU, traders have been quick to buy the dips and send HRC climbing. Uh, oddly, though, the CME uh, US bushling has been left out of the frenzy with midpoints well into the $600 a tonne range, indicating the June 21 trade period should have strength. Uh, mill margins still healthy through the front end of the curve, um, though the curve remains severely backwardated and lead times have been extended into around about the 10-week period. Oh, so a, a good-looking summer period for the US uh, coming forward. But um, we've seen in the news here in the UK, especially when if we're moving on to a kind of European view, uh, problems that we've had in terms of the steel sector here. Um, are we seeing something different in the European markets, especially as that's probably the the area along with the US, which is doing best in terms of vaccinations. Yeah, I mean, we've seen some real increases, especially in the indexes on the uh, Argus Northwest European HRC. I mean, it rose from um, 1,026 euros a tonne at the start of May to 1,131 spot 50 by May 21. You know, service centres continue to chase tonnes and mills remained largely off market with extended lead times. There's only a handful of real producers that have offered in the last few weeks and that kind of leaves buyers to have to negotiate over tons and accept really whatever price is left on the table um china's protracted softness over the last week has dampened sentiment and caused more buy side reluctance but competitive hrc imports offers remain few and far between um paper market wise real increase in liquidity um, we're seeing interest in the paper market out to sort of q1 22 q2 22 um, and I would say the counterparties getting involved in this market over the last month or so has pretty much doubled. Good. So a good, good growth growing there as well. And uh, I know it's something that we focused on in terms of the US about building back better. I know is Biden's tagline that he uses, and I'm sure that a lot of the other European governments will probably use that similar infrastructure as a, as a stimulus for the economy coming out of COVID. But moving to a slightly different topic on the, on the scrap, the Turkish scrap. So... I don't know if you want to outline the kind of difference between that and the usual steel markets for, for people who don't necessarily follow steel so closely to start before looking at the in-depth what's happened. Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the last previous two contracts I spoke about are CME based, whereas the uh, Turkish scrap and the FOB China are with the LME um, is what we trade here. I mean, look, looking at looking at last week's volumes, I mean, it's 20, 27 KT was total market for the CME still. And it was only not, it was 96 for the LME. And normally I would say that was about normally about half the size. And that is really due to the increase in uh, Turkish scrap being traded in the paper market last week at 75 KT, which is whopping compared to the normal 35 to 45 KT we see in the market. I mean, Turkish have really good finished still order books, all the shipments for rebar uh, exporting now. So they don't really need to rock the boat and drop rebar offers immediately. Um, they have good demand from Latin America, Asia, including Turkish domestic demand is still slow. 
I mean, mills still need perhaps 15 to 20 further July shipment cargoes, which should keep scrap prices relatively firm. But once they finish scrap buying for July, then we'll see how the market reacts. So the questions we're really asking at this point is, will China have stabilized by then? And will export demand for Turkey alone be able to support higher scrap prices? And much the same as uh, in my previous contract, the, um, the paper market, great volumes, new counterparties, and a lot of activity of recent. And then moving to our kind of last area of Asia, and linking it to everything that we've been talking about in our other markets, I have here in physical version, like old school, uh, a copy of Trade Winds from 21st of May. And here they're talking about kind of the problem of new builds uh, for longer dated periods because of the spiraling steel plate costs. Uh, just to give a, a taste of what that means in terms of freight. Uh, so from the article, uh, steel accounts for about 25 to 30% of shipbuilding costs. And with those increases in prices that we've seen before we come on to specifically the FOB China contract, uh, the price increases recently has meant that for a VLCC, it would cost an additional $21.2 million, uh, according to a shipyard manager there. And that, you know, it's been such a movement in these pricings that shipyards are, are not coming forward with quotations on new vessels and pricings and all those old ones are, are now gone. So what are we seeing in the in Asia markets for this big uh, shipbuilding region? Yeah, I mean, the, the index really says it all, much like most of the other contracts. We're seeing big leaps um, up and down at times. I mean, the, the Fob the China HRC index rose $106 a tonne to um, $1,031 a tonne in the first half of the month. So the, the historical high of Chinese spot and future prices. Um, the wide uh, profit margins and steel demand drove larger mills to boost output with uh, the China Iron and Steel Association member mills increasing crude steel output to a record high. Um, I mean, Ch the China's central government was planning to make a new round of look backs on, st on steel's capacity reduction in 2021, including capacity cuts, project constructions, crude steel output cuts and the rectification of problem uh, of problems during previous inspections and local governments were asked to submit the self-inspection report by the 30th of may but since then the, the fob china hrc index has fallen by 103 dollars a ton since the middle of the month to only 928 dollars a ton as of may 25th after domestic prices tumbled after the ndrc question mills in tangshang and shanghai for recent sharp steel price gains and later on the state council issued its second warning in the week on prices and said one measure could be to increase taxes on steel exports to shore up domestic supply. And this has really been shown in the paper market as well. We've seen a lot of speculation in the market, a lot of, a lot of counterparties coming in and re really driving up the liquidity in this. So, so much like the onshore contracts, this is really suffering from, from government pressure and government interference, really. Yes, agreed. Well, and, and there is one more onshore mirror contract coming out as well. Uh, it's worth noting, which is that uh, the SGX is soon to release a dollar priced mirror contract of the Shifi rebar contract. Um, and that should be a very exciting development that's launching on the 31st of May. Yeah, very exciting. And I believe that there's a 98% correlation as well. To Exactly, so, exactly. So that should attract a lot of speculative interest in particular, uh, people that have wanted to trade that onshore shifty contracts, but have not been able to. 
uh, will now be able to uh, to presumably do it through the SGX contract. Exactly. And we, if you want more information on that new contract, then do do get in touch and we'll be have, well, we already have prepared materials because I've looked through them myself uh, on, on that. So we'll be able to give you some more information on that. But uh, unless there's anything else from people before we finish up for the end of this week, I think we've had uh, a nice round and very good to have Rob joining us to talk about in-depth on steel and scrap. It's good to have a, a fresh voice with some some new markets specifically to, to have uh, information on. But uh, it, for us, it's definitely going to be something to look at those Chinese government investigations uh, and the, the kind of sentiment coming from them and how the market reacts. Looking at iron ore exports from Brazil and Australia, of course, with what's happening with Iran and the US and the talks about reinstating that deal will have big implications going forward for, for all our markets and uh, especially that story on the uh, new builds of shipping. I mean, we've had multiple times where we've had great rates. Look at in terms of the dry yeah. uh, market currently carry where everyone goes, oh, it's great. Let's build a load of ships and then um, cut off their nose to spite their exactly. future face. Maybe, maybe not so easy this time. So let's see. Well, it might actually mean that we have a sustained period of decent levels. On the dry <laughs> exactly. um, for once would be helpful for the shipping cycle, but let's see. Exactly. But to, to find out what's carrying on, do join us again next week to everyone listening and to all our guests, Rob, Theo and Kerry. Thank you very much for joining me this week. Cheers, guys. Yeah. Okay, thanks a lot.